This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. Today on our Late Boomers episode, our special guest is entrepreneur Kelly Lucente, who is CEO of her company, Thinkosophy, formerly known as Retool Marketing. And I'm Mary Elkins. Kelly is a branding specialist, a 30-plus year veteran in both marketing and sales. We'll hear from her on her innovations and creations. She has won the Gold and Silver National Association of Home Builders Salesperson of the Year Awards and Dr. Toy Awards twice for product innovation. She's been featured in magazines such as Inc. Magazine and many others and has been seen on many news shows in Good Day Chicago and others. Let's bring Kelly into the conversation. Welcome, Kelly. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. <laughs> You've been such a strong entrepreneur. Who modeled that for you or taught you about that when you were first starting out? Um, actually, I will tell you that nobody in my family was an entrepreneur, but I was raised by a single mother. My father left when I was six years old and my mom had to do it alone. We were from an Italian family and you did not break up marriages then. So she was a bit ostracized and had to do it alone. And and I watched her work three jobs to put food on the table for us, one of which was cleaning toilets. And I'll never forget the memory of my younger brother who was adopted. He's three years younger than me, um, has some learning disability. And so I would have to babysit him in the men's restroom in uh, her third job was cleaning public restrooms in our, in our apartment building as she would be in the stall crying while she was washing feces off the wall. And I would have to watch my baby brother. And I think, observing that at such a young age really distilled a work ethic in me that, you know, I didn't want to have to drive three different places to get Dale bread to eat as an adult. I was never able to be in a, in a school longer than two years because when the rent went up, we'd have to move. And then of course I was assigned a new school district. So I wasn't able to have any kind of rooted relationships. And so as I aged, I had a scarcity issue, right? Like I, I was always preoccupied with, I've got to work hard and I'm a Gen Xer and, and we, we don't view ourselves as valued unless we're, we're working our fingers to the bone. So <laughs> entrepreneurship happened actually by accident. I was really a corporate girl through and through love. I love process. I love rules. However, I, as fate would have it, wound up having to raise my son by myself. I had one by design and I uh, had to leave his dad when he was only six weeks old. And I, I was just, I didn't think it was gonna happen to me too, and it did. And so I always had one eye on my son and one on my career. And in second grade, when I came home from work, he was crying and I said, oh my gosh, what happened? He said, you missed this very important thing at school. I'm like, honey, why didn't you tell me? And he said, because you're never here. 
And it was the next day that I walked away from a huge career. I, I was so nationally recognized in my space that I could have gone to any home builder in the nation, walked into any model home and they would have known who I was and um, made more money at the time than brain surgeons. And I walked away from it and everybody who knew me, uh, my mentors, my peers, my family, they're like, you have lost your damn mind. And I said, you know what? I have the rest of my life to make money. I only have one chance with this boy and I'm not gonna screw it up. So entrepreneurship was by accident but I think I have survived it because as everyone knows who's out there bumping and grinding, it's not easy. You know, you, you, you think that by starting your own thing, you're going to be able to do what you want, right? Like finally you're able to just get out there and do what you want, when you want, how often you want. And it, that's not the reality of it. The reality is you're going to work hard. And I was raised with a work ethic, I believe, um, that has allowed me to succeed uh, in spite of all the obstacles I faced. I believe it because I've heard you say to people, or to me actually, um, I get up every morning and check LinkedIn, like before my son's up and all of that stuff, that early dedication to the job. But tell us also about the Rollerblade Inc. company and what happened for you with them. Yes. So as a, as a young girl, I was always very creative and I um, went to college thinking that I was going to get this big, you know, advertising degree and hated college. I hated it. I, I'm a very impatient person. And I remember getting up in the middle of a class and walking out and saying, you know what, I don't have a college degree, but if any time in the course of my life by not having that degree, it prohibits me from making the money I want to make. I promise myself I will go back. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be 54 in April and I haven't had to go back. So <laughs> one, of, one of the nice things though, when I stepped away, I literally drove off campus in my beat up car. Um, <laughs> I thought for sure I wanted to be in a creative space. So I started with one of the top agencies in Minneapolis. And while I was there, I realized, you know what? I think I'm on the wrong side of the conference room table. I My creativity is stifled on this side because I am at the mercy of the client. Even though we're sending out really, really great creative, if they don't like it, we have to change it. So I wanted to be the client. What are my options? And they said, you got to talk to Rollerblade. It was at the time that there were 54 employees at the company. And um, within three years, there were over 500 and we turned it into a billion dollar lifestyle sport. So I mean, wow. we were with our hair on fire. I, I was in the events division, event marketing. And that's where I cut my teeth on um, grassroots promotion and event marketing. Like event marketing, we were ahead of our time. Event marketing was hot pre-COVID, but I had cut my teeth on it, you know, decades earlier. And so I know how to do pre, during, post trade events, or even, you know, conferences and how to, how to monetize, whether you're an attendee or you're an exhibitor, or you're actually running the actual thing. I mean, it was, it was a great experience, but it was, uh, it, it was a whirlwind. And, and that's really what set the tone for me on what I do today. I, it was there that I realized the power of brand because most people call inline skating rollerblading. So just like a facial tissue is Kleenex, right? We did that. Um, we had one person dedicated to hitting people with a cease and desist on that. Like that, that's what we were able to create. And, and interestingly enough, when our um, leadership, who was a woman, uh, decided to market to women, that's when things exploded. And so it was then that I realized women consumers have so much influence 
over our economy. And branding is everything, like everything, perception, how it's perceived. Because we were selling the same thing that we were selling to the guys who were looking for off ice, you know, hockey practice, because that's what the skate was originally created for, right? Because we're, oh. we're the state of hockey in Minnesota. So the, the inline skate was created because we only have ice for so many months. And so when, you know, skaters wanted to practice, they could do it on the pavement with this skate. And um, it was then, you know, we took to California and all the fluorescent colors. And we were in a bunch of movies, the Mighty Ducks movie, I'm sure you heard. And, you yeah. know, there's this, it's just so it was a crazy, crazy ride. But that's where it's everything. The foundation was laid for me. So it, it's, it's an interesting story for sure. No yeah. kidding. You yeah. created a product for children too called Bye Bye Monster. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Yeah, so when I left corporate, as I shared earlier in our discussion, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I walked away with no plan, right? I just knew that I needed to be a better mom. And so while my son was in school, I'm like, oh my God, you know, the walls are caving in on me. I, I'm starting to have out loud conversations with myself. And I thought, you know, I think I want to come up with some kind of a hobby, keep my hands busy while he's in school. And I really loved consumer products having just come off, you know, um, uh, rollerblade uh, not too many years prior. And uh, I thought, all right, I want to feed um, a market need, something that the need has not been met. And I did all this research and came to realize that 73% of children under the age of 12 struggled with nighttime fear and it didn't have a voice. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a plan because that's what I did, right? So I spent one year on a sketch of, you know, a napkin, sketching it out, a complete bedtime solution for children who struggled with nighttime fear. And what I was able to touch, cause you know, Kathy knows me, I like to go big, right? Like I, <laughs> I just don't take, I just don't, you know, wade into the pool. I'm like gonna dive into the deep end. That's, that's sort of my jam. So I created an organic room spray. So there's a spray that I made with essential oil and distilled water that when the children sprayed around the, the room to get rid of monsters, they would breathe it in. And it was an organic form of children's Tylenol, like for real. And then I convinced a Disney illustrator to illustrate my children's storybook, which I wrote, that, that took the child on a journey of how to you know, eradicate their monsters. And then I even worked with China, which I had never done before, and created a plush monster. Because the complete solution was supposed to be, you need a comfort piece, that's the stuffed animal. And I designed him to lay flat. He doesn't sit up because he needs to be able to be that blanket comfort piece. You need to be able to give it a voice, which was the story, and you need to be able to get rid of it, right? Like you need, and so that was the spray. And it was so funny because within 12 months, I wound up in Neiman Marcus and Jenny McCarthy flew me out to California for her whole Teach to Talk program. And my product was uh, private labeled to for her to do germ spray, ironically, in the field because the kids in Germany, we were so far ahead of our time. It's just unbelievable we're having this conversation in the middle of the pandemic. But it was like a germ yeah. spray that I had done for her, right? But the point is, you know, I had 12 months, I went from zero to 60. It took off. I was on TV and every everything. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, time out. I just wanted a hobby. I didn't want another career, right? Because this thing's bleeding me dry with inventory versus making big money at my other job. So I said, you know what? I'm going to shelf it. I'm going to sell it to Hasbro or Mattel. Um, I just, I, I want to be a better mom. And that's when the phone started to ring by entrepreneurs and startups who had heard what I had done with Bye Bye Monster and said, hey, I know my widget. You know, I'm a coach. I'm a therapist. 
I'm a yoga instructor. I know my widget, but I don't know sales and marketing. I don't know how to go from zero to 60. And so that's how Retool was born. I started to consult. And then my CPA called and said, if you don't legitimize the business, you're going to have an issue with the IRS. I said, okay, I'm going to name it Retool Marketing because I was going to retool companies. And then that just sort of morphed. I, I wound up speaking on stages. I wrote a book because I'd speak on stage and people would be like, well, now that you've scared the crap out of me, we, we didn't know what we didn't know. So we didn't even know the questions to ask. We didn't know we needed to know this. We didn't know we needed to buy our first name, last name.com for our kids because of people squatting on your brand, your personal identity. And then they're like, where do we go to get the resources to then fix our problems that you just clearly visualized for us? And so that's why I had to write the book. So things have just kind of exploded as a result of me just opening my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> just opening your mouth and yeah. a, few, a few other things. And you received some awards from the National Association of Home Builders. I don't know what that is. What does that organization do or consist of? Sure. So between Rollerblade and Bye Bye Monster, that career window, um, I actually brought three national home builders to the Twin Cities. So for those that don't know, in the Midwest, we are not early adopters. Everything trends at the coasts and, and, and trickles inward. So we're always the last to get on, you know, the hip train. And so we were the last to get production home building. We were primarily at the time custom home builders. So they needed a branding expert to come in and help shift the paradigm in the Twin Cities to embrace attached homes, you know, production building where it's vanilla, vanilla, vanilla. And so that's what I had done. That, that is um, uh, where I spent time, um, you know, creating that. Well, while I was there, they're like, oh my gosh, Kelly, you need a bit, maybe way bigger role. I basically worked my way out of a job in like three months because of all the heavy lifting I had done at Rollerblade. So they're like, you know, you'd be really good at sales. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, I'm marketing. How offensive. But they're like, you <laughs> have this, this skill where you can convince people and we need you on the sales floor. And I'm like, well, I won't get on the sales floor, but I'll say, I'll train your sales teams, even though I don't have any sales experience. And long story short, what wound up happening, I'm so sorry. There's what? a pandemic puppy. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm we sorry. love the pandemic puppy. How rude. Um, no. Yeah, so, so basically what happened was, because I like to have a lot of plates spinning and a lot of balls in the air, um, my bosses at the time knew that they had better give me additional responsibilities. So what I wound up doing was managing and training salespeople, but also I was able to sell real estate on, as well as manage because the salespeople would make more money than, than the management team. Well, while I was doing that, I heard of a thing called NAHB, which is the National Association of Home Builders, and they have the Oscar. Mm, there it is. For, oh, for that and what that was. and okay. for everybody on audio podcast, she's pointing to a beautiful, great big trophy in her office. <laughs> and so what, what intrigued me about this, and I think Kathy can attest to sort of my personality, I am, <laughs> I am predisposed to do the hard things. Um, I am, if anyone's ever done Strength Finders 2.0, my number one is Achiever. I have to do the big audacious goals. So anyway, so I hear about this award, right, where 
you, you, in order to, to get, become a finalist, it's almost impossible to put the numbers up on the board and, and get the, the surveys back from your customers that are all fives. And like, there are so many moving parts. And so I said to my, my division president, I said, I, I want to apply. And, she, and he said, no one in the state of Minnesota has ever won. Do not waste your time. And I said, well, then I'm out. So either let me do it or I'm leaving and I'm going to go to your competitor. So of course he let me do it. <laughs> And because here's what's really interesting about this, because we are in the north, we are cold many months of the year, we have snow. And in order to build, like put a foundation in the ground, we have to do what's called rip frost, which is very expensive because our ground is frozen six, you know, like six inches down and, and, and feet down. Like it is a rock. It is a frozen rock. And the only way you can dig in the winter is if you cover it with hay and heaters. And so the southern states or, or the, the west and east coast, you know, they have summer, you know, 24-7. So they can dig a hole and build a house and they don't have to deal with weather. Here, we are dealing with nothing but weather. So nobody ever wins here because you can't put the numbers on the board. Okay, so that's why my boss said you'll never win. The first year I applied, I got silver. <laughs> I didn't get gold. That's gold. I got silver. First year I, I applied, I got silver. I'm like, you know what? I didn't win. I want that. So I did it again. Year number two, my boss is like, there's no way you've tried. Do you see what I'm saying? And I'm like, I was so close. I'm doing it again. I, I swear to God, I was like Susan Lucci. So I did it a second time <laughs> and I got silver again. So I go back and I do it a third time. I get silver again. I'm like, you know what? This is ridiculous. My boss is like, you're done. I said, no, I'm not done. Fourth time I won. Fourth time I won, and when I got up there, I was going to say I felt like Susan Lucci, but I figured that the audience of men probably wouldn't have known what All My Children was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or all about that struggle for the award. Yeah. Probably didn't follow it at all. Yeah. Oh God, but anyway, so yeah, but then having won, so now I have three silvers on my wall, and I have a gold, and um, no one's ever done that. Like, so no one in that industry has ever done it. And so it's just really fun to be able to cross that off the achievement list. No kidding. How exciting. Explain to our listeners what your career as a brand strategist means and what that consists of. You spoke about it a little bit before. Yeah. So, you know, most people would say, oh, okay, well, she designs logos. And really, uh, brand is made up of 16 things. I won't bore the audience with all of those, but three. Um, three of them are most important. How do you look? How do you sound? How do you feel? And if you can get those three things right, and then subsequently, you know, the remaining 13, that's a win. And so what my expertise is, is differentiating someone or a company or a thing, it could even be a product, uh, differentiate them from anybody else who does or sells the exact same thing. So I'll give you an example. Let's say we have two real estate agents. They're best friends. Both of them are gals. They sit in cubes next to each other and they work for the same broker. Okay, so if you are friends with both of these women, how in the world would you decide which one you would use when you go to sell your home? It would be my job to convince you that my client is the better option. They look better, they sound better, they feel better. And so my job really is to take uh, what seems to be sort of a, you know, expected situation or something that isn't really remarkable, you know, uh, like Seth Godin had done, um, Purple Cow, the book Purple Cow, I create the purple cow. So I'm the one who can unpack and repack if it's an actor, if it is um, a business person or a company. 
I can differentiate in such a way, visually and verbally, that my client will get, they'll, they'll get the business versus the competitor. Mm -hmm. Amazing. It's amazing to learn that talent, develop it and use it. And you wrote a book also called Moolaji, yeah, which, I, which yeah. I think it, is that I, I have only seen it in capital letters with hyphens in the middle of it, but on the title of the book, does it just say Moolaji? Yeah, it's Moolaji. Moolaji is a play on words. Moo as in cow, right? Cow says moo and, 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 uh, and, and branding began, you know, forever ago when cows and or cattle would roam people's fields and sometimes they would graze in their neighbor's yard and you couldn't tell one cow from the other or the cattle from the other. So that's when a branding iron was created, right? So you'd brand your animals. So if they were all mixed up, you could get your own back. Okay, so that's that's where moo comes from. Moolah is a play on words for money. Money. And GY is the psychology. So it's it's basically it's the psychology of making money through branding. Aha. Uh -huh. I love that. I'll have to I love that. that. Yeah. And the book goes obviously into detail on how yeah. to do that, right? Yeah, so basically it is a brand and marketing primer. I had originally written it for startup and entrepreneurs. So people who just don't know what they don't know, right? And I would speak on stage and, and they would say, holy crap, you, you scared us to death. Now what do we do? I'd hand them the book and it would literally be soup to nuts. I literally see Dick run, step him through every single step from concept to launch. What happened was I started getting... Um, book sales. I, I wasn't trying to get rich off this thing. It was just a companion piece to my speaking because I had I, I've been on a lot of stages, and so um, what I was getting all these orders like in twenties and thirties at a time, and I'm like, what is happening? Come to find out, CEOs would hear about the book and would would order it in bulk for all their C-level execs as a refresher and or like a ref and I'm like, oh, and I'd call them up and I'd say, okay, let me apologize. I dubbed this down. I mean, it is not technology speak. It is not like the buzzwords that you would typically hear. It is like, okay, sit down, take a piece of paper. This is what you do. And so, he, you know, but everybody um, said that they found it really helpful and super funny because that's sort of my shtick. And then I start a lot of sentences with a proposition, which my copywriter hates. And I actually wrote that book in um, uh, nine days. I wrote wow. it in nine days. 50 wow. 52,000 words in nine days. Oh my I, goodness. Yeah. Oh, oh, is it still available? It is. Yeah, 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 it is. If you go to moolagy.com, M-O-O-L-A-H-G-Y.com, you can order it there or on Amazon. I'm going to have to get that. It sounds terrific. Yeah. It's, it's a fun read. It's a fun read and it, it's very helpful. If somebody is trying to get traction in their business and don't they don't know how to differentiate against the people who do what they do, it has nothing to do with price and everything to do with perception. Your business encompasses so many areas. What's the favorite thing you do out of your various jobs that you do for your company? Is it speaking, your workshops, marketing strategies for yourself and others or more? Mm -hmm. Gosh, there's so many things that I like to do. Um, and many that I don't. There's a lot that I do that I don't. That could be another good question to ask too is, it, there are things that you have to do, right? And things that you really love to do. The love to do is I like to 
help drive strategy for mid-sized companies. So whether they have internal marketing people or not, one of the nice things is not having to execute on my strategy, right? Like develop the strategy, but then don't necessarily implement on it. It's very time consuming. That's the part I don't like to do. So the strategy piece I love. The other thing I really like to do that makes my soul um, um, light up is anything that is creative. So when I'm doing logo development or mood boards, or I'm art directing photo shoots, or I'm designing websites. Now, designing websites was a pure accident because I create these amazing brand strategies with all the rules and regulations around, here's how it's gonna look, sound, and feel. And then we'd hand off that creative brief or the brand style guide to these web teams and what we realized was that web developers are very analytical. So their aesthetic, how things look, aren't really great. And there was a huge disconnect to what I would create versus how they tried to bring it to life. And so I wound up in 2012 um, having to learn how to build webs or not build them, but design websites from a user experience because print marketing and web marketing are very, very, very different. And so now it's like this whole package. I'll take something all the way to start start to finish. And then I wind up art directing the, the web team. So it's kind of fun. That that I really like in, in being able to bring things visually to life. So what else That's don't you like to do? Um, well, uh, <laughs> I will tell you that I do not like um, things that linger. So if we establish a timeline and it is delayed for any reason that irritates me, and then I'm not real pleasant to be around, you can ask my team. So any, <laughs> anything that if we don't hit deadlines or if the client is late, those things just kind of gnaw at me. You know what I mean? They just, they're, they're irritants for me. And, and ironically, that's happening a lot right now. Um, is that we're not we're not hitting deadlines because of the clients on the client side of things, and it's really tough to control. So I made um, a pact to myself in 2020 when the um, pandemic hit. Pre-pandemic, I would I would just hustle and grind 24/7, work till 10:30 at night, making it rain, living you know living living business large, and then the pandemic hit, and we had a couple of relatives die on ventilators. And I decided that at my age, life is too short to not wake up and feel joy every single day. So however that would take shape for me. And so now that, you know, I have now got almost one year of pandemic under my belt, um, I wake up every day. And as I'm going through the course of my day, if something does not bring me joy, it's gone. That's people, that's projects, that's everything. And so as a result, um, that's why Thinkosophy showed up because I have been doing retool marketing since 2011 and I've been doing it alone. And I found this amazing man who invests in businesses and he has taken a shine to me and he said he wanted to be a part of, of what I do. And uh, so we have gone into business together. And so all of that pressure of making it rain and sort of being operations and business development is off my shoulders. So now I can sit in more of a creative space, which I prefer. And now I'm able to hire the appropriate people to do the jobs I don't like to do. Good for you. Yeah. You're also raising an amazing son, Joey. Is he interested in the family business? 
Oh my gosh, you aren't gonna believe this, Kathy. And I know you know Joey personally. So yeah, yeah so Joey is the love of my life. Uh, my entire world revolves around him, which is kind of sickening and ridiculous considering he's 24 years old. Um, but he is a, a love and he is, I don't know, I, I had no part of this, but he went to college and he wound up with three degrees and he, he got an international business degree, uh, market, he's a business, international business, marketing with a computer science minor and as fate would have it when he graduated he got a job in an agency like mine only more on the website side of things not the front end creative but the back end build it, it was it was a, a lovely little company and then of course with the pandemic he was furloughed sadly and then i kept telling him now while he has been in search of a job which of course is in my field i'm like please come and work with me you would be perfect for me. He's got great charisma and he'd be great project manager on the client side and he's really creative. And I'm like, please come work with me. And he's like, mom, I love you, but there is no way I want <laughs> to answer to you. And wouldn't you believe it um, on the first, right? So on Monday, he started a job with the position I need to hire right now with one of my very good girlfriends who also runs an agency who is my direct competitor. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I thought this was going to have a happier ending than that. And now yeah. you have to compete it, with him. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, you, and you need that exact spot filled too yes the exact thing i need my my good buddy took my kid <laughs> oh, <gee. laughs> and he's perfectly trained and perfectly educated and you, you and just could have stepped right in there and he could have because he knows my business he was raised on it right like he is part of my story and he's it, and I've always worked virtually. So my, I've never had brick and mortar. I, I purposefully chose to have a virtual team. And so he'd be here and he would overhear me on every single thing I did and he'd weigh in. And so he went to college and all these kids wanted to take this really unique entrepreneurial class, which I'm a, um, an advisor on. And they said, you know, take this class. And they're like, why would I live with my mother? You know, I see this, I see entrepreneurs and startups and businesses evolve all day, every day. So so he skipped that, but yes, now my competitor has my kid. It's in his genes. He'll do wonderfully. You're going to have to step up your competitive spirit. I know. Yeah. So, so you, you mentioned the pandemic of 2020 and also 2021, um, but tell us more, speak more to the impact that had on you and your business. Yes. Well, it, you know, it, I, I did not go unscathed. Um, sadly, marketing is always the first to get cut when something gets funky in the world. And of course, even though technically I'm an agency, it falls under the mark branding and positioning fall under the marketing bucket. Um, I had pre pre pandemic in 2019 had the worst year of my life in business, the worst. And it was the worst because in January, I got a very, very nasty flu. My mom almost died from the flu shot. So we chose not to get flu shots. Oh. And I wound up getting a really, really nasty case. And I was literally in bed, not the flu, but the in bed part for 17 days. Oh, and because I'm business development, that crippled the beginning of my year. Then on the heels of that, in April, we had to put our, our lifelong puppy to sleep. Then by June, I got three blood clots in my leg. 
Now, why that becomes really critical is because remember, 80% of my clients are out of state, which means I have to fly. <laughs> and, and it grounded me. It grounded me. I just got beat down with some major things three times by June and my legs didn't heal until the end of August. And so I thought, you know what? Okay, here's what I got to do. I got to pivot. This is, remember, this is pre-pandemic. So I'm like, I got to pivot. Um, I now need to, where, whereas my typical business model is I go in, I fix, I get out. So what I had to do is shift my business model to be more retainer. I'm going to stick around with a client. They're going to pay me a, a, a set amount every single month, and we are going to do work for them every month. <clears throat> okay, great. So I basically saved my business at the you know tail end of tw 2019. I go into 2020 with all these retainer clients, and by March 13th, I lost them all. Within four days, they all called, <laughs> and they said, we have to cut budgets. Bye-bye. Oh, <laughs> so, no. And so, and so I said, you know what? I'm good, with, I'm good with this. You want to know why? Because I've had a job since I was 13 years old. At the rate things are going, you know, at the time I was, you know, 53. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to retire. I'm going to have to work till I'm dead. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to retire right now. I am going to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. I'm going to eat ding-dongs. <laughs> I am going to talk on Zoom to all my friends that I haven't been able to talk to because I've been too busy. I am going to hang out with my kid because he had been with his other job. They, they uh, went remote. So he was living with me at the time because he had just graduated college. I'm, like, I'm going to bond with my adult son. It's going to be amazing. And so for March, April, and May, I was retired. Everybody is like, oh my God, what is happening? I'm like, there's nothing I can do about this. It is what it is. I can't talk on a stage. I can't get on an airplane. I can't do anything. So I'm going to enjoy this really horrifying situation. And Did you? We, yes. And we chose to do 100% quarantine right away so I could see my aging parents. I have parents in their late seventies. We are very close. So Joey and I were able to see my parents. We went between each other's houses. I ordered their groceries online, ordered my own. And we basically were together um, through those three months and it was heaven. And then of course, by June 1st, people realized this, this COVID thing isn't going anywhere. And so now, whereas where sales is a relationship business, right? You have to have a relationship to convert business, realized that that might not be the old way of selling might not work now. So they had to modify how they were marketing themselves. So my phone has been ringing off the hook since June because now they're like, okay, if I can't show up to sell, how am I going to convince them online or through Zoom or whatever? So it's been great. It, 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 sadly, you know, having lost some relatives has been really, really tough. Um, but knock on wood, my son and my parents and I have not gotten sick. My parents have both been vaccinated. And um, to be honest with you, technically I am considered an introvert. And so every time I, unless I'm on stage or I have to own the room and be on, I can do it, right? Like I can do it. But if I had to go work a room and just network without a wing woman, I'd probably talk myself out of going, uh, particularly in the Midwest when we're very clannish people. So they huddle in groups. And if you're not in, you'll never get in. And so um, I, I was off the hook. I had no guilt. I had no guilt because I couldn't go and I couldn't be more happy that I couldn't go. <laughs> oh, Love it. Love it. What Talk you... about embracing the moment. No yeah. kidding. What yeah. are you envisioning for your future? Uh, I actually have a plan now. Whereas before you know, people would say, where do you see yourself in five years? I'm like, dude, I can't even see myself past next week. Okay. <laughs> um, 
But now, you know, I'm going to be 54 in April and having met my friend, Brett, who is now my co-business partner, uh, he <clears throat> is wanting to retire in seven years. And so I thought, you know what? That is amazing to me because if I could figure out a way to go from today, seven years, I'll be what? 61 for doing the math, 61, 62, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. That's my, that's my goal. I want to be retired, meaning I want to sell the agency or step away from the agency. And then I want to focus my, my third, my third, what's it called? The third, third act. The third act. I want my third act to be me volunteering and mentoring and doing what I do for free. So I've been, I've been working really hard that all my spare time I have been donating, you know, like, how can you give back? Well, the way I can is to help you know, students and entrepreneurs and, and others. And, and, but there's not enough time for me to do that. And so if I have enough money, right in, in the bank, then I want to be able to just get up every day and do this thing that I love and help change small businesses lives and not charge them. That's that my sounds, plan. That sounds incredible for a plan. Everyone should have such a wonderful third act because we talk about a third act sometimes on the show. But do you have any advice for our listeners or is there anything we might have missed that you wanted to cover? So, well, if they, if they I would assume many of them are trying to run a business or, or are, um, I would tell you a couple of things. You've heard the saying, fail fast. Um, what I want to say to them is, I think what people mean by that is, you've got to take chances in business. If you are in the planning stage forever because you don't think it's 100% right or your fear of failure, you aren't gonna get anywhere. Um, also get real comfortable with the tango. And what I mean by that is two steps forward, one back, right? Two forward, one back. It's a tango, people. It is just <laughs> the nature of the beat. This, this, you're, you're not failing, it's just the tango. And um, the other thing I would say is that Failure is not necessarily a four-letter word. It, it's a pivot. I try things, and if they do not work, I try something else, right? It's not death or taxes. So those are really the only two absolute things in the world anyway. Um, and then also I would say this. A lot of people have, have reached out to me personally, social media, whatever, and have said, Kelly, we really admire you. You are fearless. You're fearless. And I'm like, no, listen, I do not want you to mistake fearless for decisiveness. There is a huge difference. Make a flippant decision. Don't sit on indecisiveness. You will get nowhere. There won't be any tango. You'll get nowhere. And where people are like, Kelly, you're fearless. No, I'm just decisive. I make a decision and I take action. And if it's wrong, I pivot. I don't fixate on the fail, right? Because, you know, there, there have been a lot of failures in my business. I mean, 2019 was a dumpster fire for me, right? But I, I'm like, it is what it is, right? It just is what it is. You just shift and you pivot and you serpentine as you are navigating the choppy waters of being a business owner. It's just what it is. But so don't have a fear of failure, be decisive, take some kind of action and don't use the word failure. I mean, it's just not productive. 
I love that advice. I oh do my too. Gosh, good advice for everybody, no matter what they're doing. Right. 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 And I want to thank our guest today on Late Boomers. She is Kelly Lucente, CEO and creator of Thinkosophy. And you can find her on brandbykelly.com. And Kelly spelled K-E-L-L-Y. And thank you, Kelly, for being with us today. You've given us some great tips and advice. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Absolute. Our absolute pleasure as well. Thank you so much, Kelly. You are a complete inspiration. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.